Hide your dogs, kids. Fourth of July is coming up, and you know what that means. You get to bitch about fireworks on Twitter. How's it going, everybody? Episode 35 of Fear Frequency is here. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And with me is George Frizzard. How's it going? Good, man. What's up? Did you like that warning? Yeah, you know, I always have to complain about the dogs on Fourth of July. How many dogs do you have? Uh, Personally, zero. In my home that I live in, two. Are you going to light off fireworks? Uh, not indoors. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Dogs get scared of fireworks, you know. Yeah, they don't like them. I got an incoming transmission from Samuel Loomis. Oh, yeah. I just hear a lot of screaming from him, though. I think I hear that, too, all the way from Haddonfield, Illinois. Fuck. He says, I'm from Halloween 6. Okay, we got a Halloween alert. Oh, shit. All right, so nothing big this week, dude. We got... Something crazy, well, though. something physically big this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing big news-wise, but this thing's big. So Halloween Daily News, our best friends that we've never met, <laughs> they reported that Trick or Treat Studios is releasing a life-size 2018 edition Michael Myers, and it has, like, a posable right arm, and it's only $700. I mean, honestly, can, compared to that statue, that's kind of a steal. Yeah, how much is that statue? Like a grand? Yeah, I think so. And that's only a foot tall. I mean, it's made with real clothes and stuff. You can't pose but... its right arm either. <laughs> you can pose this thing's right arm. It's six foot one. You know how tall that that's is? That's awesome. That's huge. That's as tall as me. I could give it a hug. Yeah. <laughs> or a kiss. I wouldn't even have to tilt my head to give him a little kiss. <laughs> right at lip and level. I would. I'd like bring him into my room every night and put him next to my bed. That would be so just... horrifying. Just in case someone broke in, they come in my room to like put a pillow over my head and shoot me with a silent pistol. He'd be standing there like, they'd be like, oh, then they'd be like, he beat me with the punch. That's a big Michael Myers dummy, and then they'd put a pillow over my head and shoot me with a silent pistol. They'd be like, Michael Myers is already here to do the job I came here to do. <laughs> beat yeah. me to it. I mean, personally, I just think this thing would be so horrifying to keep in your home that there's no way anybody's actually gonna buy one. Uh, yeah. I agree, but seven hundred bucks. I don't know. I feel like that's a little less than, like it's it's less than I would think it would be, and it's less than I would think it would be so much that I'm considering a purchase on this one. I mean, the price point's right. Don't get me wrong, but the item itself is so horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> but we got some news that I think we'll both agree is cool. Uh, Shout Factory is releasing Blu-rays in steelbooks of halloween 2 and halloween 3 uh, it's actually scream factory subsidiary of shop factory they come out on october 9th right but right. this kind this this part of it kind of bothers me it says that it's a 4k scan but that it's a 1080p blu-ray so yes it's gonna look better than the non-4k scan i guess but why don't they just start releasing 4k blu-rays like you're doing this nice steelbook if you order it from Shout Factory, you get a lithograph with it. If you pre-order it, which I did, I pre-ordered Halloween 3 because the lithograph is fucking awesome. Yeah. But why why go through the work to do a 4K scan onto a 1080p Blu-ray when 4K Blu-rays exist? Yeah, it does seem weird if you're going to go through the effort uh-huh. to re-release it and do a special, you know, like a special re-release of the movie. Why? This is the same as that fucking Strangers one I bought. I thought it was a 4K Blu-ray. It's a 4K scan on a 1080p Blu-ray. 
Yeah, I mean, it just seems strange. If you're going to go through the effort of re-releasing it and getting a 4K scan, you can just release it on a 4K Blu-ray. Right. I think it's cool, though. Like, don't get me wrong. And I don't think it's overpriced in any way. Like, if you pre-order it from Scream Factory's website, it's only 26 bucks per disc. And the lithographs that they send are fucking awesome. Because I got that Strangers one, mm-hmm. and my girlfriend, Kelsey, won't let me frame it because it's so scary looking. So it's just in my closet. But, like, I unrolled it, and it's really cool looking. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's always cool to have a steel book for a DVD case. They just kind of stand out yeah. a little bit more. And the, like, unique art for these actually look really good. I know they're limited to, I think, what, 10000 each. Yeah, so. but they never sell out. Like, I got the, the Strangers one. They were like... This, the lithograph one is going quick, but I pre-ordered it, like, after the DVD came out. Oh, yeah. And th- they still got the lithograph. But, like, it's Halloween, so I don't know. Maybe these will sell out faster. But still, I think they're worth it, both of them, if you're into either of those movies. Yeah. Uh, I'd kind of like to see um, them do... I know we were talking about it back when we saw, um, like, the 4K Halloween. But it'd be sweet to get a 4K remaster of the original with a special steelbook. Yeah, that just seems like a fucking no-brainer. Just put it on a 4K disc so people <laughs> 4K Blu-ray players or Xbox One S's at the very least can watch movies in 4K. Right. Just seems so smart. Like, do you think the manufacturing cost is really that much more? I mean, a 4K Blu-ray only costs like 10 more dollars at the store like at a best buy or whatever so they come out with the msrp quote unquote of 40 bucks but then they're like day one they're on sale for 30 yeah quote unquote on sale you know so i don't think i think at this point manufacturing discs has become pretty it's peaked at this point the technology is there to do it relatively cheap so i don't know what the issue is with getting 4k blu-rays released yeah I don't know. It's it's weird, but I I pre-ordered the thir- Halloween three one. I didn't really the Halloween two one. I think is a cooler poster. Yeah. Because it's like burning Michael. Yeah. But right. I like Halloween three way more than Halloween two, and I was like, I'm not gonna get both of these, so I went with Halloween three. Yeah, I think that's the better movie of the two, so it's probably the better choice. Because I don't have that on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD, and it looks like shit. I have it on Blu-ray, but. Um, Did you got the other Shout Factory one, right, with the cool like slip slip cover and everything? No, I just have the basic one, like the normal uh, like Amazon one. Damn. All right. Cool. Well, that's cool. If you want to check that out, go to Halloween Daily News. They hooked us up with the link. Next on the list here, we're gonna try something fun. Fun? I think it's fun. Kind of fun. It might be. We're gonna be not mean about it, but bloody disgusting. Put out this list called the six horror movies that are unexpectedly perfect for fourth of july viewing and some of them are make sense and some of them don't but we thought we'd go down the list with you guys tell you why we think they are or aren't fourth of july movies and i think it'll be more fun if we disagree but we didn't really talk about what we think of each one so but then at the end of this list we're both going to suggest our like our pick for a good fourth of july movie that you wouldn't necessarily think of or that you would think of. So, first on the list here, the writer has Final Destination 3, which uh, it's takes place in the summer, but it's also the third movie in a franchise. It's also kind of dated and probably has some bad CGI. I don't know. I don't really see this as a 4th of July movie. I like 
I don't even think of Final Destination as a summer franchise. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I, I get what their heart's at because this one does start with uh, that carnival. So okay. it's like outdoors and I get, you know, where the yeah, idea that yeah. it takes place in the summer. So it's kind of Fourth of July themed, but I don't know. I don't really see. I think it just is something that takes place. That has a scene in a, at a carnival. I don't know if that's necessarily Fourth of July themed. Yeah, like if the whole movie had a summer vibe, like this vibe, like I know what you did last summer, right? Right. Then I'd get that. But like picking out one scene from a movie and saying it's perfect to watch on Fourth of July, like I don't know, seems like a bit of a stretch. But I'm always an advocate for watching Final Destination, any of them. My favorite kill, I think, in that whole franchise is when the girl's getting LASIK. I forget which one this is in. I think that's but five. You think the LASIK laser is going to kill her when it gets turned up, but then it just burns her face a lot yeah. and she falls out of the skyscraper. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty clever. I like that. Yeah, those those movies kind of stumbled at some point. Yeah. Um, that definitely has their highs and lows, but... I think the first and last one are the best. I think three is up there, too. I think... Yeah, three is pretty I think good. one, three, and five are the top three of that. Do they not do six? Do they only do five? I think you think they only did five, right? I think so. Maybe I'm mistaking the sixth one for the fifth one. I don't remember. I don't know. I I would like that to come back. Like I'd love a Blumhouse reboot of that. I sort of liked how self-contained it was, but I think Mm -hmm. that it would. It's kind of ripe for a reboot at this point because the first one. Does Devin Sawa's character die? The guy from the first movie. Uh, (laughs) well. I think, hmm. does he die in the first one? I don't know. I don't he's remember. the main character, right? Because he's on the plane and then he has the dream. Right, right, the right. The plane crashes and then six or five ends with that being on that plane. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be cool if they brought him back now because Devin Sawa is like really cool. Yeah, I like that franchise. But I don't know okay. if that's necessarily a 4th of July movie choice. Damn, you're twisting my arm. So next <laughs> on the list. We have one of my favorite movies of all time, Return of the Living Dead. I actually agree with this one. It, it has a really good summer vibe to it. it. takes place... It doesn't take place in California, but it's so clearly filmed, like, in Los Angeles. They drive in the LA River and shit. Uh, it has a really good, like, hot summer vibe to it. They go out in the cemetery at night. You know, a lot of the movie takes place outdoors. Yeah. Uh, it just... I don't know. That feels like a good summer movie. Good Fourth of July movie. I don't know if it's a good Fourth of July movie. I don't. I feel like this list should have been six movies that are perfect to watch in summer. But I get why it's called Fourth of July because they want to get that SEO. Right. But like, none of these are on Netflix. So, <laughs> what are you? What are you really gaining? Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I want to defend the movie and the choice of it because this is like honestly a top ten movie for me. Yeah. I mean, I love the movie. I think you could kind of watch this anytime, and it wouldn't be a bad choice. But. I don't know if it's necessarily a 4th of July movie. Um, Like you said, I agree that it has a summer vibe to it, but there's nothing really specifically 4th of July about it. It's kind of... Except for the fact that it apparently takes place on the night of July 3rd, like... (laughs) So, I mean, technically, but that's like when people... I've seen that movie like a hundred times, and I don't (laughs) even know that. That's like when people uh, talk about die hard being a christmas movie and it's like yeah yeah if you really want to split hairs it is but it's it isn't really yeah like if you want to get a snifter broken on your eye <laughs> we can talk about it you know like right 
I don't know. So next on here is a movie I haven't even seen called Silver Bullet. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't seen this one either. I think James from Cinemassacre did like a you know, one of his videos on this, like a Monster Madness. Uh-huh. So I guess this one's no contest because we have no argument against it being a Fourth of July movie. Yeah, and it's a Stephen King story apparently, based on the novella Cycle of the Werewolf. Sure, it's great. I mean, sounds summary. I guess. I guess it could fit. It's got a kid actor. It's got a kid actor. It means it must be good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the one that you were like, "Fuck no on." What's yeah. This one? Uh, next on the list is The Shining, and <laughs> there, the big payoff is because the date on the photo at the end of the movie, where it shows Jack in the ballroom, is dated July fourth, nineteen twenty one. And the reason this is 100% not a 4th of July movie is because it is takes place entirely during winter. Yeah, and when it when it's summer, you want to get in the mood for summer, you you don't watch this. I almost spoiled what your pick is. But like nothing about it. I'd rather watch this over like Christmas break, you know? Right. Like, it fits that winter feel because... Or, like, a no- this is, like, a November movie. Yeah. You know, like, around Thanksgiving, like, when you're getting ready for winter, and you're like, damn, it's gonna be cold. You can pop this bad boy on, watch a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, it's a great movie, don't get me wrong, and I can yeah, yeah, I can yeah. always watch it, but I think that tying it into... It, it's a 4th of July movie because the picture at the end is dated the 4th of July isn't really... That's not a strong enough reason to, I think, watch it on the 4th. Yeah, so this next one, (laughs) I agree with it being on the list, but I don't think it belongs on this list. It's called Red, White, and Blue, and it's a brutal twist on the American dream with a patriotic title. Uh, What's it about? A war vet, an aspiring musician chasing the dream, and an aimless wanderer paint the picture of American life until the guy who directed it pulls the rug out. It's exploitative and patriotic, I guess. I don't know. This didn't. I just read this whole thing. It didn't even explain what the movie's plot is. Uh, Anyways, I think the title like, is is probably the main reason because it's red, white, and blue. Is it really unexpectedly perfect? I mean, no, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I get why you'd watch it. I guess. I mean, I haven't seen this one either, but I get the logic behind it of it. If it takes place in America and it's kind of about American struggles and it's... But even so, like, on the 4th, I don't really want to watch something that's that grindhouse Yeah, me neither. So, next, last one on here is It. This this one I do think is good. I think I would watch this on 4th of July, right? Like, yeah, I think It fits. I think it... It's summary, it's about a bunch of kids getting together and doing a bunch of kids stuff and rock fights and all that. And I think all that is perfectly in theme with the holiday and this you know time of year yeah so while i respectfully disagree with the premise of this list i think this is a good list of movies yeah just to watch in general yeah i think like you said these are good like like summer movies to watch for sure yeah so this is like a very common ground argument where the person who made the list isn't here and can't defend themselves (laughs) but like we're not being that mean so like i feel like it's fair yeah because they're all they're all pretty good movies like none of them yeah. are, are bad movies and I, I can't speak to silver bullet or red white yeah, and blue but the me picture neither. for red white and blue looks cool but silver bullet has a kid actor so like, <laughs> probably not going to check that one out but 
I don't know. I would check out Red, White, and Blue. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think it's too specific of a uh, question of a movie to watch yeah. on the 4th of July. I think Yeah. trying to tie it into something that's that specific is kind of tough when there's no movies that are specifically about the holiday that would fit into the genre, really. Yeah, but all right. I, I thought of a new one. You already knew what I was going to say. Uh-huh. I was going to say originally Don't Breathe because... I don't know. I'm from Michigan. Fourth of July, Fourth of July in Michigan is better than anywhere else. I'm convinced of it. It's just <laughs> so good. Like it's that hot, you know, that humid summer. You can sit around the pool, light off fireworks, get drunk, have a great time, right? Right. Uh, I thought Don't Breathe was like a great celebration of that. It captures the feel of the Detroit summer perfectly. Yeah, it really does. Another movie that I was going back and forth on saying is It Follows, but that just felt too easy, I think, because that one has a real good summer vibe. Yeah, but. Have you ever seen The Bay? No, I haven't. So, The Bay is like a kind of a found footage movie where there's like a big small town celebration in a bay in uh, Maryland. And there's a skin devouring parasite, I think, in the water. But it's like the whole town falls apart during like, a, I, I don't even know if it is 4th of July, but it falls apart during like a american celebration you know like where you're celebrating your small town Uh i think it's called the bay i think i i saw it on netflix and it's 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 pretty good sounds like a good pick yeah uh if you search for it on google it comes up with japanese text that's weird (laughs) because okay came out 2012 uh it premiered at tiff in 2012 and basically the premise is it explains the footage that was confiscated by the U.S. government until an anonymous source leaks it. So that's why it's a found footage movie. It's produced by uh, Jason Blum and Oren Pelly. This is okay. like 2012, though. Yeah. So I, it's like pre-Blumhouse, I think. Uh, and it's in the Chesapeake Bay. And yeah, it's got a 77 on Rotten Tomatoes. Budget was uh, $2 million. It made about $1.5 million, so not didn't make any money. <laughs> lost about half a million but yeah it's a pretty good movie i think uh it's good it captures the swimming aspect it captures the summer aspect and it's got the gore it's got the small town feel oh and it is on the fourth of july it's set on the fourth of july oh yeah so that would be a perfect pick that is a perfect fourth of july movie that you wouldn't necessarily think about because it's not well known right yeah i think that's that's a good choice for sure i think i might watch it yeah, maybe I'll add that to the list. I have the day off on Wednesday, so maybe I'll try to get some, get a marathon together. I watched it on Netflix eight months ago, which leads me to believe that it's still on there. Hmm. I'll have to check it out after the after we're done recording. Cool. So what's your pick? Um, If I want to go really on the nose, I would say Jaws is probably the quintessential summer movie. Switching it up on To me. watch, just because it fits every kind of theme about summer and encapsulates that feeling all in all at once you know where yeah, totally it just kind of really nails that feeling better than a lot of other summer movies and any other shark movie that's ever come out so if i wanted to really just pick something that's 100 percent a summer movie i would say jaws um another pick that i think would also kind of work would be um the pseudo sequel to the town that dreaded sundown Oh, dude, that's a great pick. Um, that came out in 2014, I think. The yeah, the Blumhouse I movie. Even, 
I don't know why we we didn't see that. Doesn't that feel like one we would have gone and seen in yeah, theaters? Yeah, for sure. I only found I found out about like years after it came out. I don't even remember it, but I loved it. So for those who don't know, the Talented Sundown is a movie based on the cult classic, um, the Talented Sundown of the same name. That was a movie about the serial killer, the Phantom Killer, who was a murderer in Texarkana in the '60s. And every year, everybody in the town gets together to watch the movie in real life, and they go to a big drive-in, and they play the movie in the park where one of the people were murdered. And so this movie takes that concept of the people in the town who watch the movie every year, and a copycat killer shows up and starts to be a copycat killer and follow in the footsteps of the original Phantom Killer. And so it's kind of a sequel. It's so meta. Yeah, it's super meta. It's really interesting. Um, it kind of falls apart near the end, but I think it really nails the vibe really well. And I think that that's a, a solid movie to watch in, in the summer for sure. Yeah. So Alfonso Gomez Rejon, Rejon, Rejon directed it. Never heard of that guy. Jason Blum produced it. Ryan Murphy produced it. So it ha- it does have like a American horror story vibe to it. It takes place around Halloween, but like you said, it's in Texarkana, so it definitely has that summer feel. It, you can like almost feel the heat yeah, coming out of that movie. For sure. It's seriously. So uh, it takes place over our Halloween and Thanksgiving, but it's the same like bullshit cop out where like they don't want to film in a place that has fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a great pick. Thank you. So there's two movies to check out. This was all in good fun. You should check out most of the movies on that list except for Silver Bullet and red white and blue if someone really likes silver bullet defend it to us you could be like our friend nolan Mackey, who got us to watch chopping wall which we think is like a perfect yeah movie. i do really love chopping wall so, so yeah let's get on uh let's move on to the news talk about uh this new scan i mean a uh, new sale from rob zombie so rob zombie <laughs> three, three from hell you you want to hear a weird We'll move on. Yeah. You want something really weird? So we just rewatched Devil's Rejects. Yes. I think that movie sucks ass now. I was like really into it, and I thought it sucked now that I've seen it again. Yeah. I just watched Rob Zombie's Halloween last night, and I think that movie's pretty good now, but I remember hating it. Even the first 40 minutes? No. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. If you get past that, everything after that's pretty dope. That part where uh, the girl who plays Lori's crawling around in the ceiling, mm-hmm. and he's just stabbing oh, yeah. that plank of wood through the floor. Yeah. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. I also like how he just walks through walls, and there's a part where he, like, punches through a wall with the knife facing down. <laughs> like, this Michael feel this, like, the shape or whatever, yeah. he feels strong and fucking brutal. Uh, I... It's a little reserved with some of the kills. I watched the unrated one, and it still zooms in a lot, so you don't get to see everything. Mm-hmm. But the actual kills are pretty good. There's there's a real... there's a I don't know. This is something that's kind of weird to me. So, like, Danielle Harris is in it, right? Yeah. She spends 80% of her screen time with her boobs out. <laughs> so, like, I don't, I don't have anything wrong with, like, boobs in horror movies, obviously, because it's, like, it comes with the territory. Yeah. But doesn't it feel a little, like, predatory and kind of, like, creepy to have Danielle Harris get nude in this movie? Because it's, like, look, remember Jamie Lloyd, who was, like, nine years old yeah. in Halloween 4 and 5? <laughs> We're going to show you her titties. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Go look at her titties. It's, like, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, that does feel kind of weird. Since, like no, no, she's great looking in the movie yeah i'm not I, saying she's ugly or anything no. i think she's very pretty and, and i see like i understand the logic of bringing her back since she was kind of a fan favorite from four and five a lot of people do love those movies 
So I understand why you'd want to give her some kind of nod to, you know, being in the remake, but right. it, it does seem weird when the last time we saw her in this franchise when she was a child, and now she's, like, exposing it all. Yeah, man. I don't know. That's just something I noticed. But I actually thought that movie was pretty good. I don't know why uh, they play that Blue Oyster Cult song, like, three times. <laughs> I hate that, that song was weird. so much. Uh, it's fucking weird. But I think that movie is... I think that movie's better than The Devil's Rejects. I think The Devil's Rejects kind of sucks. I don't think it's very good. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. I don't know. Like that freeze frame shit at the beginning. Oh my, that was enough oh to make God. me want to turn it off. <laughs> There's some and, really weird choices in that movie. In editing, storytelling, plot. I mean, it's it's just really weird. And it just is kind of a tough watch. Yeah, I. but it's kind of a bummer because I remembered it being really good. Yeah, I don't know if it's just was, movies at that time, it kind of fit better with what was coming out around then, or what, Yeah. but um, it just, it hasn't aged extremely well, in my opinion. Yeah, I kind of want to check out House of a Thousand Corpses, because I remember that one being, like, heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre and shit, yeah. but, like, being a grindhouse version of it, so I, I don't know, maybe that one Maybe that one is aged a bit better than uh, Devil's Lords Witches. of Salem, though kind of like transcends rob zombies bullshit that movie's pretty good mm-hmm. except for the opening scene uh it's a pretty good movie i think it's i think it's underrated yeah but uh but anyways yeah back to the news story all right yeah we'll get back to it so basically rob zombie he's been selling like merch for three from hell and i guess the plot that he's going with is that the three from hell are the devil's rejects they didn't die at the end of the devil's rejects which is kind of bullshit they're all in prison now uh he's been selling merch though through local boogeyman and you can buy the shirt that baby wears in the movie uh that has it's like a ringer tee and it says free baby on it and it has her mugshot on it so if you want that one that one's 70 dollars which and then if you want one that's not that 36 dollars dude and then if you want a pin eight dollars so I don't know, man. I think this is a scam. <laughs> like, sorry. That's bull. Like, who the fuck in their right mind would pay $70 for a t-shirt? The movie's filmed. It's not like it's crowdfunded or anything. <laughs> you know, like, why are you charging 70 bucks for a Ringer t-shirt? The markup on there is 65 bucks. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely is a ridiculous price for that. Especially when the print isn't super crazy interesting. It's just baby's mugshot and it says free baby so like i guess if you're a super fan of the series if you're one of those people that do really like devil's rejects even so i don't see anybody actually forking over 70 bucks for that you're gonna fork over 70 bucks for a ringer tee with a picture of sherry moon zombie with her titty out on it <laughs> you did you click on the article you can see one of her nips on the shirt it's like you can see one full nip and like Oh, yeah. 2% of the other Yeah, one. you can. You can totally see one of her like, nipples. I guess it's on brand. But it's... But... It's not very couth. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call it fashion forward or anything. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, if you buy... If you buy... If you want to get this, more power to you. Like, I bought some pretty dumb shit, but I don't know. I don't really want to, like, advertise Rob Zombie's wife's titty on, like, my t-shirt. <laughs> you know, like, you can't wear it anywhere right like yeah it seems I'm, weird. I'm like upset i'm like Ur. it seems almost too 
like, graphic, in a way. Like, I get that's what his whole theme is, and that's how all of his movies are, so I don't have anything against his movies yeah. being like that, since that's the style he's adopted, and he's obviously... My big gripe is the price. Like, 70 Yeah, 70 bucks, bucks is on, really dude. just... Seriously? An like, insane if you charge 20 point. for the white... Like, if you charge 20 for the white one, and then 36 for the, like, movie-accurate one, I'd still call you an idiot for buying it, but, like... You know, at least it's a little I, more I fair. I would get it, but seventy bucks for a T-shirt? Like, come on, dude. Yeah, that's a bit ridiculous. Come on, that's like when I went to that Daft Punk museum and they were selling the T-shirts they sell on Amazon for ten bucks. Mm-hmm. They were selling them at the Daft Punk museum for a hundred and twenty. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just, it's like whatever. It's this shit's so stupid. I I don't get it. And I see at Urban Outfitters, people are paying for like torn up Kiss tour shirts for like forty bucks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be that guy, but there's better things you could spend your money on. Yeah. Than yeah. fun than funding Rob Zombie's movie that's probably going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that since I I I have very little faith in uh 3 from Hell. <laughs> Maybe we'll be impressed. Maybe we'll be impressed. Maybe I'll we I'm going to be eating a lot of crow when it comes out, but Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you will. <laughs> so we're going back to Shout Factory. So Scream Factory is releasing, again, a Blu-ray of Trick or Treat on October 9th. I already have a Blu-ray of this movie, and it was pretty cheap, but this cover is awesome. Uh, again, though, it's not 4K, so I'm not going to double dip on it. But, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I like the the new cover. I think this is a total classic. I think it's 100%. It is a classic. I mean, it's worth watching every October for sure, without any question. Um so I think if you haven't picked it up yet, now would probably be the time to get it. I agree. I just wanted to let people know that was coming out. But yeah, the, so the next, cover art is really cool on it. So Yeah. I, I'd get it in like a poster. Right. But yeah, so next up, we finally have confirmation that It Chapter 2 started filming with a great like table read photo of all the actors talking to each other. It looks like they're having fun. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see that everything is moving forward on it sounds like uh everything you know it's obviously just started so we wouldn't really hear too much drama about it yet or any kind of issues on set or anything like that but uh table read looks good i mean i think we talked about all the people all the cast as as they're being announced and everybody fits pretty well and i think that um you know there's a good director at the helm and everything should be good for the sequel it's just going to be interesting to see how exactly they modernize that second half yeah who's gonna die like are they gonna have eddie kill himself yeah i mean are they still gonna have uh you know are they gonna have it set up the exact same way they have someone else kill themselves is it gonna be um you know is uh mike still gonna be running the library are they gonna not have a library because it's like modern day and who goes to a library anymore or like (laughs) yeah you know that's a good that that's a good point george i never thought about that yeah because this one takes place in modern day it's weird how they shifted it forward where like the original tv show is like 50s and 80s but now it's 80s and modern day what do you think yeah what do you think mike's gonna be doing i mean maybe he'll, think he'll run the computer lab at a high school or something yeah maybe he'll be like a graphic design teacher at the school or something i mean i think there's ways to modernize yeah, it i mean they can totally modernize it i'm just curious as to how you know if they are gonna try to stay as true to the roots as possible or if they're going to try to take little things like that like the library or other things yeah. that people don't really you know wouldn't necessarily be a common place for everyone to hang out in if they're going to change certain aspects of it to be more modern right right i i think 
in this picture you can barely see james mcavoy but i can see him more as bill in this picture yeah i was a bit skeptical um mostly because um what the last thing he was in was the last thing was split the last big movie he was in or was he in? yeah I, maybe he's done something since then but he was pretty cool in Split. yeah i mean he's good in split but he didn't really look like a bill denbro in that movie you know what I mean? No. He didn't no, yeah. exhibit that look at all uh, to be, like, the leader of this gang of people. So, um, I mean, not that I couldn't see it because he is a really good actor and I could see him, you know, if he puts his mind right. to something, doing it well. But it was just kind of hard to visualize until we got to see a little bit, uh, you know, closer to the actual start of the filming. I agree, but yeah, it looks cool. I'm excited. I'm getting more excited. It's just weird that all this info is coming out about it now. It comes out in a, over a year. Yeah, it I mean, like a lot of, a lot of stuffs coming out about it. Don't want people to forget about it. Maybe gonna try to, yeah. what? Because uh, it does. Doesn't it feel like people care less about this one? Yeah, I think for sure. I think, like the general vibe that I'm getting from Twitter or film Twitter or whatever. No one. It's it's a lot of websites like trying to like shove it down your throat you know but yeah. like i haven't seen a lot of excitement from general readers exactly i haven't seen a bunch like i haven't seen any just normal person get out and start talking about this movie and saying how excited they are about it or anything like that so yeah it's kind of weird and the reason it seemed like the reason people only cared about the first one is because of that trailer that blew up on twitter yeah so maybe they need something like that to happen again but that kind of felt like lightning in the bottle in itself so i don't know Still, it's it's just something I noticed. I mean, the the reason that the the original trailer did so well is because they took an iconic scene from the '90s miniseries, modernized it, um, and you know it ended up looking really cool and interesting, and it got a lot of people interested in the movie. So I don't know if they're gonna take that same approach with the try to take one of the scenes from the second half, which right. I don't even know if that has too many iconic scenes in it that people are gonna wanna. <laughs> want to revisit because yeah i mean you read the book is there anything that like you were like damn that i hope that's in the movie um i don't know the second half is a bit weirder to kind of pull out scenes the one scene that i would really really love to see that i think is my favorite scene from the whole book is um when bev goes to her um her dad's apartment as an adult and she gets invited in, and it's uh, an old woman invites her in. And as she's there, the longer and longer, she realizes that, like, she's not actually in this, like, she's not just a sweet old woman, and she's something more sinister, and it's Pennywise in disguise. Oh. And he feeds her this tea, and it's like, as she realizes that it's Pennywise, it turns into piss with, like, a turd in it and, like, all this really gross <laughs> shit. It just gets, like, really creepy and out of control. It's just, like, really, like, I like that scene a lot. I think it's, like, a really creepy, interesting look at, because um, it's, like, obviously Bev's biggest fear as an adult is her father. And that's an interesting look into, um, like, the, the different powers Pennywise has that you don't really see too often. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope it's good. Yeah, but I'm excited for it regardless. So it's cool it started filming and can't wait for uh, next October. Uh, September. September. I think it's like September 19th. I don't know why I know this. Okay. Well, uh, even, even so sooner. <laughs> the next thing on here I just put on here just because it seemed kind of weird. I guess Funko's releasing cereal called Funko's. 
because like at this point Funko, I heard, I thought Funko was about to go out of business. Yeah, I heard they're so kind of struggling. Feels like they're, feels like they're pulling out all the stops, doing everything they can to stay <laughs> relevant. I, this might be controversial, but like I feel like Funko's problem is that their the like style of toy they make isn't attractive. I think it's like cheap looking and very rarely lends itself well to the characters they're producing i think the appeal of funko is that they just get every big character but i've never never really wanted one i think the issue with it is so like a funko in and of itself is attractive to collectors because the idea that you can collect things from all these different properties you can get all these characters all these things you like and they're all uniform because they're all from the same thing yeah but I think they almost got oversaturated with how many things they got, how many franchises they created things for, and it became something where they just flooded the market with so many different ones. People were like, well, I can't even keep up with how many Funkos there are, so there's no point in me trying to actually be a collector of these, because one, they don't retain any value, like they don't, and two, they just... There's too many of them, too many franchises where they make things for that there's no way to keep up with them even if you did want to collect them yeah i agree so but anyways it's weird they split these the cereal up between retailers so i know that you can get Mega Man one at gamestop and you can get or cuphead at gamestop Mega Man at hot topic and you can get uh freddy version and friday the 13th version at fye so like good luck finding one of those but uh they come with like a little teeny version of the toy in the box and i guess it is real cereal i mean it doesn't look great but i, I think the package is actually kind of cute i kind of like it i meant i meant like the cereal doesn't look <laughs> yeah. i like the the box looks cool yeah i actually kind of like the box i'd sort of like to get um the nightmare on elm street one just to have as like a yeah the freddy piece. one looks good yeah they the i think they were smart the ones on the box don't really look like the funko pops they look like they look like cute little drawings. Yeah, like you know, they're little chibi the, versions. That side profile is really good. <laughs> yeah. It lends itself well to those weirdly shaped toys. Yeah, I think these are actually, like, I have, I've never bought a Funko. I own zero Funkos, but I might actually get this cereal just because I think that the, the design of the packaging is actually enticing enough for me to kind of want one. I like the Jason one because his eye is a little droopy. Yeah, that is kind of, <laughs> it's a nice little touch. <laughs> so yeah you can get those this month it says there's no exact release date on here but they're the the freddy and uh, jason ones are both available at fye well so you don't have, if you want the cuphead one go to gamestop oh wait no i reversed it mega man is gamestop cuphead and Mugman is hot topic freddy is funko what this is stupid. Freddy Funkos will be available through Funko. Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy Krueger Funkos and Friday the 13th's Jason Funkos will be available at FYE. These articles make me look like a fucking idiot, dude. <laughs> Seriously. Like, just fucking bolding. They bold information, but it's like they just picked a sentence and bolded it. What, what is Freddy Funko? Is that Funko's character? That's me, Freddy Funko, the CEO of Funkos. God damn, dude. I feel like an idiot now. Uh. I'm not buying the cereal anymore. <laughs> you just burned me. It's fucking stupid. But speaking of Jason, Platinum Dunes, uh, the producer of Friday the 13th remake and The Purge, Andrew Form, he did an interview and he said he really wants to like make another Friday the 13th despite the legal battles. He thinks they could do it right again. 
and I don't know, like after A Quiet Place, which they like killed it with, and I think this Friday the 13th remake is way underrated. I feel like they deserve another shot at it. Yeah, I really like the Friday the 13th remake. I thought there's obviously some parts of it, like the nudity is pretty over the top, and mm. there's some things about it that I think are not great, but I think they did a really great job introducing Jason. The actual like stature of Jason is great. He's huge. You can tell he's like very strong. They do a good job of showing like the weight of the character. And I thought I actually thought that that was shot well and was a cool movie. So I was always kind of shocked that they never made a sequel to that one. So yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like it was probably some legal troubles, and I'm not sure. I thought that one made money, though. I'm not sure if it was uh, kind of a flop or not, but... I thought it did, too. I think it ended up being legal shit that kept it from getting made into a sequel. Yeah, but... Uh, Out of all those movies, though, Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, and that one were the only ones that really got it right. Yeah, so... Or the Texas Chainsaw remake, I mean, sorry. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd be happy to see them take another crack at it, because I thought they did a pretty good job the first time, so... If, yeah, I just don't think Blumhouse will ever get it, you know? Yeah. And it, Blumhouse kind of feels like they, I don't want to say this in a mean way, they feel like they're a little bit smarter than Friday the 13th, you know? Like, they go for a more nuanced plot with a lot of their movies. Like, even Happy Death Day, they're trying to get at something with their movies, and Friday the 13th, it fills a different spot. It's almost too mindless in a way. Yeah. Cause, but I, I do think they could handle Freddy well. Yeah. Um something with- i just feel like you gotta have the right people for friday the 13th and part of me like half my brain is like this franchise has run its course and they'll never be able to like capture what people initially liked about it and then the other part of me is like well they went on for as long as they did for a reason so maybe if the right person was on board they could bring it back what people liked about the original yeah i mean i think that the things about it that they would need to really nail are you need to make sure that Jason is good. He looks imposing. He looks scary, which they did in the first one. Um, and they need to capture the summer feel. They need to have decent teenage kill fodder. And they need it to be like a good summer camp or like cabin in the woods setting. I agree. That's that's all like smart, easy. I don't know. Hopefully this legal battle resolve soon either way yeah i'm glad that there's people thinking about making a movie rather than like the idea to make it a cw show that never really went anywhere yeah i mean but at the same time scream was made into a tv show on mtv and that did decent that was actually pretty good so yeah that was pretty good but like i don't know if that really fits the same uh cw is a lot cheaper than mtv yeah that's true but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'd be fine with Yeah, I, I, I think games. I would prefer a movie now than thinking about it over a CW show. Yeah, so next on the list, we got some really sad news. Uh, so basically, in It Follows, there's two, two uh, forms that the monster takes that actually scare me. Number one, naked guy on the roof. Freaks me out. <laughs> I don't like that. Number two... The really tall guy when they're like, there's nothing here on the other side of the oh, door. Oh, the giant man like, is terrifying. <gasps> yeah, so we got some really sad news. The giant man is dead in real life. His name was Mike Lanier, and uh, he was Michigan's tallest man. He was born on November 27th, 1969, in Royal Oak, 
and uh, he graduated from Brother Rice High School, and he went to play basketball, obviously, at UCLA, <laughs> which is weird because it connects him to me in a lot of ways because I grew up in Michigan, and then I moved out to California. Yeah. That's pretty cool, and I played basketball. Uh, he worked at GM in the powertrain division, and he had a lot of interests, including independent films, swimming, claymation, cooking, being very artistic, and even designed his current home. Well, former home. That's a bad, poorly written <laughs> sentence in this obituary. <laughs> they fucked me again. So he had a twin brother named Jim, and they had the Guinness World Record for being the tallest identical twins in the world. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's, not, it's cool that he was... You know, yeah, he, I mean, he got a world record, so... It's really sad that he's dead. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was really cool in that movie. And it seems like he, like, had a lot of pride for Michigan and the Detroit area. And it uh, seems like he had a good love for good movies. Yeah, Because it's, mean, aw- it's he, awesome that he was in It Follows. Yeah, he honestly sounds like a really cool guy. Very into, you know, film and art. But he's also, you know, working at GM. Went to UCLA, played basketball. He seemed like he was probably a really nice guy. And he really is the main crux of the most terrifying part of that movie for me. So got to give him credit for being genuinely terrifying and probably a very nice man. Yeah. It sucks that, uh, he didn't live very long. It doesn't look like, uh, I think when you are 49 that big, yeah, it's takes a toll on your body way faster than if you're, yeah, I heard that if you're like a giant person like that, you don't live that long. That sucks though. It's just a bummer that like, I don't know. I, I, I hope he ended up in Beneath the Silver Lake somehow. That would have been nice if he's in it in some way, shape, or form, but... I'm just, like, bummed out that this extra in the movie died. Yeah, pour one out for it's him. Really, all these celebrity deaths, dude, and we've never talked about one, but this is but the, the one that made the giant man. Go, <laughs> he gets a... No, I'm, like, dead serious. I, like, no offense to people who care when celebrities die. Like, I get it, I guess. They affect your life in meaningful ways. I just never really... I don't know the people, you know, but I feel like I have a connection. I had a connection to this guy. You know, it's just cool that he was able to be in one of the best horror movies of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's in a Michigan classic for sure. and A classic. Uh, he will be missed. But yeah, so sorry if that didn't come off like genuine, I guess. I don't know. I've never talked about someone dying before, and it's never really affected me to any degree, really, when a celebrity dies. But this one really got to me, so I thought we should put it on here. Give him that rest in peace. Yeah. Pull one out for the giant man. Yeah, so now we got to follow. I should have done this last because now we got to follow that up with the, the something we're going to dump on, which just feels wrong. But there's a Purge TV series that's coming. I, I was holding out hope that it would never just come out. You know, I thought it was something that would get stuck in development hell. But it looks like Tuesday, September 4th at 10 p.m. on USA, the 10-episode series about the Purge begins and you know what it just looks like more of the same shit just more of the same crap but 10 hours like i don't know i'm not into it yeah um trailer's terrible also (laughs) yeah the trailer is not like good it looks very low budget to me like i was going in with pretty low expectations i I, i'm on the same wavelength as you where i think that stretching out the the purge storyline over 10 hours is not a good look for that since it's already pretty paper thin plot since they just choose to keep retelling the same story over and over again. But um, the trailer looks like so low budget. The masks that the people are wearing are like dollar store masks and the effects don't look great. And it just seems like it's going to be 
a total fail in my eyes. Yeah, I don't know. Just this concept. They've taken it in this direction that I get why. They want it to be like a political movie that gets people to go to the theater and like it can be an escape for people who are on the right side of history, right? And I get that. I understand that. But we've had four movies now that have had the exact same plot pretty much at the end of the day. And now we're getting a TV show that's 10 hours long. Like, they have the story that they can take somewhere and they refuse to take it anywhere. You know? It just, it sucks. Yeah, it feels like a really wasted opportunity because you could make it so much more interesting without making it the same political problem every single time. Yes, we all know that it would be morally wrong for them, for the government to say crime is legal for 12 hours. Yeah. And you could do whatever like, you, you want. Like, you don't come up with this concept and not make it a fucking exploitation movie. Right. It's simple. Right. We all know that this would be a morally wrong thing, but it doesn't need to be that every single movie is about how it's morally wrong and how we need to stop it, how we need to change the government, how there needs to be a rebellion, and blah, blah, blah. It just feels tired at this point. So to do another 10 hours on that tired idea just is doesn't seem like a good look. Yeah, and I don't know. None of these movies are ever handled with the nuance that's required for the plot they're trying to tell, honestly. Like, it feels very shoehorned. It feels very cheap. And it's never felt like a real emotional payoff in any way in the three, four movies. Three, th- three movies the, that have come out. Right, the fourth one's out on uh, the fourth. And it's kind of like telling that the best one, which is two, did not deal with any of this garbage. And that's like miles and miles the best one. Yeah. Like at the end, it kind of comes into play, but nowhere near as hard as it does in three and like nowhere like even close to how much it looks like it's going to play into the first part. Like I get it. I think it's cool that you're making a political horror movie. I'm fine with that. I really am. I just don't think like the political horror movie they're making I just I think it's ex- it's exploitative in the wrong way. <laughs> like I think it's just cheap. Yeah, I think it would have worked if they had done that idea once, or maybe given it one or, sequel, or built to it in a meaningful yeah, way. Yeah, or you know, like right. they relegated this underlying plot to like a five minute arc of like a character that's not even named in the first <laughs> movie, and I don't ever think you really learn his name, like. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he is the string that kind of ties them all together. Right. So that's kind of the overarching plot, is, like, that guy growing through the rebellion and, like, trying to shut down the purge and all that. But at the same time, he is a very minor character in those movies. It's not his story of how he's going through the ranks. It's just they have this purge movie going on where all these things are happening, and then, oh, this character, who is a reoccurring character, will show up at one point. And usually not for very long. What if they did a Purge movie where you get to see this rebellion, right? Take this rebellion. And you get to see them say, well, crime is legal. Let's use this against the government. And then they break down Capitol Hill or wherever the government people are hiding out. They find a way into the bunkers where they're being led. They kill the entire government and start from scratch, but keep the laws in place. And get rid of the perch. Right. Like, if they can do something where, if this, like, if this is a weapon. That wouldn't go over well, but. Right. If it's, because the whole idea that they've been harping on every time is, like, the perch is bad and the government weaponizes it. Like, people are morally good enough to where they don't kill, but the government is weaponizing it and even subsidizing killing because it, 
I don't even know what their end game is, but it's good for the government if people kill each other because it keeps fear in the hearts of the American people and it leaves yeah, the government yeah, as powerful. The, so the end game is they can kill the poor people and then the poor people. Like I think the whole reason that I I'm seeing the purge, the first purge on Wednesday, right? Yeah. If I'm right, I'm gonna like clap for myself three times, but like. <laughs> I think the whole thing they're going to try and get at with the first purge is that there's too many poor people and that all the rich white people in America realize that if the poor people ever banded together, that they could take down the white people in about five seconds. The white people say, let's introduce the purge so that we can use all of our money to buy, like, impenetrable fortresses and then all the poor people will just kill each other because they won't be able to get to us. Right. But then that doesn't go well because the poor people don't want to kill each other and then the government has to start bringing people in to like make kick off the purge you know yeah like i just it's so predictable at this point yeah and it's sad that this show looks like it's taking that exact same plot without trying anything different so uh, yeah i i am not confident in this uh the show at all i've never seen anyone defend the purge either like honestly i don't like i i like them all honestly i do i, I mean i think I, I don't think I'd ever watch the first one again, but I'd watch the second one and the third one again. Like, we watched the third one last year, ready to shit all over it, and I remember we were both, like, pretty jazzed after we watched it. Yeah, I mean, I, they're fun movies to watch, don't get me wrong, but I just think that they almost think they're smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, they, they, they definitely do. They think they're way smarter than they are, and it just... Like, it should know. be something that they, it doesn't take itself as seriously as it does. Which kind of detracts from it. But there's definitely fun or, sequences yeah, in it. Or they should go all the way with their concept. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think the reason that they'll never do that is because they've kind of, like, wrote themselves into a corner a bit where, like, the only good guys in this movie are the people who end up not really participating in the purge. And if they show the, like, working class, the poor class of America actually engaging in the purge, then that kind of people proves will their get point. upset, right? And that proves their point. Yeah. But... Like, I feel like that's really the only way to truly deliver on the concept. Like, have these people... Honestly, I think if they did have the working and poor class kill the white class, you know, like the rich class, while it's legal, and use their own weapon against them, at this point in time, at this point of where people are in American history or whatever, like how they feel about this country right now, I don't think that would go over so bad. I mean, like, you know, Fox News would probably get up in arms about it for a week or two. But, yeah. like, I feel like the people who love the game we're going to talk about in a few minutes for the exact same fucking reasons yeah. would really like this movie. Yeah, I think if it... And I feel like all... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, if it took that political idea, the actual activism that it's trying to, like, very subtly convey throughout them and just made it the forefront and the focus of the whole story, I think it would be a much stronger plot and probably a stronger you know like idea for the movie but um i think the way they're doing it by just making it a kind of fun not not really like a grindhouse but more of like a slasher movie and then having a little bit of political ideology in it yeah they're not even horror movies really like the first one kind of almost is first one has some sequences where that are like yeah they border on frightening so yeah and like that th- that argument where people make where it's like oh it's a thriller not a horror movie like with hereditary that pisses me off but this is one where like i could definitely see 
I, I wouldn't argue too hard against someone saying that The Purge isn't even a horror franchise. Like, I mean, they're action movies just, at the end of the me. day. Yeah, they are. It just... I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what they should or should do with this franchise. Like, I think I have a good idea for it. But I don't think they'd ever commit and deliver on that yeah. idea. Yeah. And just... Bringing it back to the TV show, doing the exact same thing we've seen for 90 minutes once a year for the last four years, and then extending it into 10 hours is just like, why? Yeah, <laughs> it feels like, like very why? unnecessary. And if it's a retelling of like the first movie or the second one, it's like, come on, dude. Yeah, totally. But, hey, if you're, if you're excited for the Purge TV show, prove us wrong. We'll be like that guy in the table, that meme, like, we say something and then you have to prove us wrong. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> So, uh, we got two more news stories here really quick we can talk about. This is a longer episode. Um, so there's a Grudge remake filming right now, and it's called Grudge. And it comes out August 16th, 2019. The story here is that they're they're making a Grudge remake. It better be different, because I've seen the original Grudge, and it's cool. I've seen the American Grudge, and it's basically a shot-for-shot remake. And I've seen the Grudge 2, and it's okay. But, like... I've seen a lot of it, you know? Like, they need to really switch it up. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the original Grudge is, when it came out, it was kind of a cultural... I mean, it was pretty big in the pop culture zeitgeist. Like, a lot of people talked about it, even... The original one, right? Like e- the Not even Juan, but the American version, just the Grudge. Okay. Um, but, like, it was pretty popular in America. Like, even Scary Movie parodied it, like... Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was a pretty popular idea. So, I think even today, people kind of know the story without having to see the movie. So, if you're going to remake it, you need to be able to either tell a, a new perspective on that original idea or give something totally original that would entice people to come back and see it because it's not the same story you saw the first time. Right. Yes. I agree. But but I don't know. I just thought it was cool news that they're making a new Grudge movie. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. We haven't seen a lot of... Um, I mean, this isn't necessarily a foreign horror movie since it'll be you know made in America and everything, but um, we haven't seen like too many non-American uh, horror movies come out lately. So it'd be kind of interesting to see something that you know was originally... Uh, um, I think it was Japanese was Juan or maybe Korean. I think so. Um, I think it's Japanese, because Sadako versus Kayako is Japanese. Yeah, so, um, but it'd be interesting to see um, someone try to, you know, take something that's kind of a foreign folklore and make an American horror movie out of it, since we've only been seeing a lot of uh, American perspective on things lately. Yeah, and then last thing on here, the trailer for Mandy finally dropped. I know we've talked about Mandy a couple times and how we really wanted to see it, and the trailer is just, like, so much better than I could have ever hoped it would be. Yeah. Uh, it was really good. It's a good trailer. Yeah, the visuals of this trailer are insane. This movie looks so cool. I mean, there's, like, the red neon-soaked everything with the giant white cross and, like, the giant yeah, chainsaw fight. That. Like, there's all this really awesome visuals to it. Uh, apparently, Nick Cage kills it, who... I think Nick Cage can be a good actor if he tries. Yeah. I'm not, like, on the bandwagon that he's the worst actor ever, but... Did you watch uh, Ralph the Movie Maker's Nick Cage-a-thon? <laughs> no. Oh, it's pretty funny. Uh, he, like, 
goes over these movies that we you would have never even heard of that Nick Cage has been doing over the past few years. Like he did a World War Two one where he played a boat captain, but the CGI in it is like PS one level. Oh my god. It looks pretty funny. And he, he's like overacting the shit out of it and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's kind of his calling card, but I think if he doesn't phone it in or overact, he can be good. Like I agree. I think the National Treasure movies are actually pretty good. And um Leaving Las Vegas was really um, good. I mean, that's very young Nick Cage. I really do like National Treasure too, yeah. a lot. I mean, they're good like movies, and he's, you know, he acts well in them, and people are saying this is, like, one of his best performances he's ever had, so I'm 100% in on Mandy. I think it looks great. Cool. So, uh, yeah. Uh, when does that come out? Um, I don't think the trailer had a release date. Ugh, come on. It's so, this is why we're going to that festival. It comes out uh, September 14th. Okay. This is why we're going to fucking Telluride, though, so we can get to see this stuff early, and then we can be the ones who get to flex on all these 90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that uh, wraps it up for the news this week. We'll be right back with our review of Wolfenstein 2. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Dustin. And, and we're, we're the, the Final, Final Boys, Boys, a podcast that celebrates all things horror and cinema and pop culture. Have you ever wondered about the history behind the Paris catacombs? The true stories behind the Bloody Mary legend? Or are you just like listening to two dudes bullshit about their favorite? And not so favorite horror movies. Well, you should check out The Final Boys. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back with our review of Wolfenstein 2. I'm glad we got a long episode for you guys this week. We thought the news was going to be light, but <laughs> we had some good discussion in there. I thought that list was cool, but... So... Wolfenstein 2 came out in October. It came out October 27th, which, if you remember, is the same day as Mario Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins. And as much as it sucks, people seem to, like, instinctive, like, impulse buy open world games. I mean, everyone's going to buy Mario, but if everyone bought Mario and one other game, even if they were done with Assassin's Creed, I think most people would gravitate towards Origins just because it's the new big open world. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's what I did. I bought Odyssey and Origins on the 27th, and I didn't buy Wolfenstein. So I bought Wolfenstein because I'm a Bethesda cuck. (laughs) But I played it back in October, and I, I loved it, dude. I played it on PC. Uh, I actually got all the Enigma codes, and I did all the Enigma missions, and I killed the, like, last leader and everything. Uh, but we, I made a joke to you the other day where I was like, we couldn't think of a movie to watch. So I was just like, why don't you just beat Wolfenstein 2, and then we'll talk about the show, because you have it. Yeah. And you were like, okay. And then it worked out that Bethesda was kind enough to give me a code for it on Switch, because it just came out last Friday on Switch. Uh, which, like, is a whole other thing. But I So I spent uh, all day yesterday, I actually got to one level before where you're at right now okay and you're one level from beating the game yeah Um, so what do you want to talk about with it uh i just think that the the best thing about it that i think personally that is the most interesting aspects of the game is i just think that the the alternate reality of the nazis winning world war ii and you get to see all this like pseudo future technology but it's all kind of evil nazified and you get to see these crazy things like building colonies on different planets and you know, these giant panzer robots that are these dogs that shoot fire and the yeah. the giant like one wheel motorcycle like General Grievous drives in uh <laughs> episode oh, three. Yeah. I mean yeah, there's just yeah, there's yeah. all this cool sci fi technology that is So we talked about well. the New Orleans level on the show from because I played it at that Bethesda preview event. Yeah. 
that level is really cool yeah i really like that um and you get to go to cool places like roswell and i mean they just they really play around with the idea that like once you are into that you know this alternate reality that they really play around with the world and way more fun ways than you'd expect and right i think it's fun because it doesn't ever take itself 100 percent seriously where it always has that kind of tongue-in-cheek feel in the story where there'll mm-hmm. be like um you know moments where like bj blaskowitz will just talk about like completely like like turning someone into mush and then just like keep going to the next room and like yeah i like when uh he gets the the gun that Fergus makes back. Yeah, the so, the bomb gun. Yeah, he's like, uh, "This ain't kill Nazis." It's like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of like fun dialogue like that, and you get to see some cool, um, you know, like I said, alternate future stuff. Um, the gunplay is really tight. I think that the controls are all great for the guns. They all feel pretty different from one another and uh, control uh-huh. well in their own way. I think the upgrade kits are cool because the guns actually upgrade very differently yeah that was sweet because i I think in both the old blood and wolfenstein the new order if the way you upgraded was by doing challenges Mm -hmm. and that's still how you upgrade in this game but that was how you upgraded weapons as well i think in that game Uh and i like how it works in this game where the challenges will upgrade your character so if you're playing like super stealthy you'll automatically get upgraded to be a stealthier bj but yeah if you're playing super like awesome action man, you'll get upgraded for that too, and then you can spend your weapon upgrade points however you want. And they give you a lot of them. Yeah. They give you way more than enough. Like I on my PC playthrough, I had like every single one just from doing all those Enigma missions and everything. Yeah. And like this game can either be like eight hours or you can make it like twenty. You know, like it's pretty cool. Yeah, like I uh I sat down on Saturday and played it from like ten thirty to I think four, and I got pretty close. I think I got, like, to the two-thirds point after just, like, Mm -hmm. in one sitting, just sitting down and playing it. So it is something you could knock out in one day if you're, like, 100% focused on I'm just going to play this until I beat it. Yeah, totally. um, I I think the writing is so good, dude. Like, the dialogue and everything. Like, it it rivals a movie, and the direction in the cutscenes is so cinematic. It's really good. It's awesome. Yeah, the... It's so good. I I mean, it's not, like... I I don't really want to call it camera work, but it kind of is. Like, the way that things are shot in the cutscenes. Yeah. I think, think, like, you could say that, because they do depth of field stuff that... It's a lot of stuff that you don't normally see in a game. Yeah, but they do different. They do different camera tricks where they'll do things where it'll go like 360, or it'll flip with the perspective of the characters. They fall backwards or something, like following it in an interesting way. So mm. I think that is something that is kind of overlooked a lot of the time, or just not thought about. Like people don't think when they're making cutscenes for games to shoot them in a way that's cinematic. And I think this game I agree. was made in a way where it was supposed to be like a movie in all the cutscenes. Yeah, people are like, I, I I, think it's awesome. Like, I really liked The New Order. I really liked The Old Blood. The people are like, I'm going to play Wolfenstein 2 because you get to kill Nazis. <laughs> That's how cool and edgy we are. <laughs> I, if, if you're, like, coming at it with that attitude, I feel like you're kind of doing the game a disservice, honestly. I feel like it's, it warrants way more of, like, a respect than that as like a storytelling device yeah like i think it's just a great game yeah i agree i've had a 
total blast with it. I think the story goes in so many interesting, cool ways that I think you kind of have to buy into the like cheesiness of it at some points to really yeah like it's like a grindhouse movie. yeah yeah uh, but like it's something where there's points in the game where you could be like oh that's really stupid or you could be like this was so cool that you're doing like, there's one point in the game where you could definitely say that. yeah that's like the crux of the entire plot <laughs> but there's like a point where you're like am i all in on wolfenstein 2 or am i not all in on wolfenstein 2? right but if you buy into it then then you're that's like the kind of person who would really you're enjoy gonna get the rewarded game. for it yeah yeah uh i really liked i think i liked it I don't know, actually. I think I like the first one more, just because I, the first one felt so new and fresh when it came out to me, uh, and the iconography in it, just the aesthetic of the yeah, first the aesthetic one really of the first cool. one is pretty unbeatable. When you go like climb up the uh, old Nazi castles and stuff, like there's so many cool yeah. uh, like architecture and things in that game. But I I like the story in the second one better. Yeah, I do too. I think I think uh, when they make you go through a concentration camp in the first one, I think that was the most effective moment in the entire series. And I, I don't know. I you can honestly tell how many people didn't play the first one by people who are like, "Wolfenstein Two is the most effective thing ever." Blah blah blah. You know, because like, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot more like stuff that happens to you in the first game yeah. in first. Person. And I think there's a lot like it like goes right for the throat. This one right. is more fun. Yeah, this one definitely goes for more fun, and the first one has more um, disturbing imagery or like very yeah. like hard things. Which is what I like, obviously. Yeah, like, I like the disturbing. Like hard like, things to see that really kind of exemplify like why the Nazis were the bad guys. I mean, yeah, and the Old Blood also like both of those. The first one and Old Blood de- like delve deeper into the more paranormal aspect of like Nazis and like the human modification, yeah. and all that shit. You know. Yeah. This one's more of like a campy war story that has a hardcore 70s vibe. Yeah. Uh, there is some cool sci-fi stuff in it, but it's the more like 60s sci-fi, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's not like the it's it's not like Hitler's army and shit, you know? Right. It's more about or Frankenstein's army. Yeah. Is what I meant. It's kind of more about like technology advancements and like getting weird technology together and getting your crew of the rebellion to like show the American people that they're not down, even though the Nazis took over America. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty inspiring story in some ways. And it's like, it is inspiring. Like you feel cool playing it. Like when you do things that are like big set pieces in the game, you're like, wow, like that actually felt really yeah. cool to do that. The main bad guy, dude, Frau Angle, she, yeah. she is such a good villain. She's from the first game too. And like, you hate her in the first game, but you really hate her in this one. <laughs> Like, they set her up at the beginning to be, like, fucking evil as evil can be. And uh, the payoff is really good with her. Um, it The ending is, the ending of the game, I won't spoil it for you. It's very 60s. Like, it's the most very 60-ass ending. Mm-hmm. And I like it. It's really cool. I like the, the costumes. I like the way the characters look. I, I am really excited for that Youngblood expansion standalone thing. Like, we should definitely play that co-op. Yeah, I think 100% we should do that. Because I'm looking forward to that. I think that... It's even uh, it's a cool setup, especially once you know the events of Wolfenstein Two. You know what, like yeah. how that game is going to be set up, and like who you play as. It has more weight if you understand like everything leading up to it. Totally, I, I agree with that. And uh, so on my Switch playthrough, I picked Fergus, and on my other one, I picked Wyatt. You picked Wyatt, right? Yeah, Wyatt is a uh, because you get a choice of which one of two people to save from the first Wolfenstein. 
Yeah, that's like the most emotional moment. Like the first game, it's really fucking dark, <laughs> but they make you redo it. Wyatt is cool because he does LSD. Yeah, and he like, he hangs out with this like uh, he has this. You see this little cartoon, uh, a chameleon. chameleon and stuff. Yeah, it's I like... love that. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, he just says a bunch of like really weird off the wall stuff, and you're just like, man, you are completely useless to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, like legit what bj says i really like that i like how bj plays off everyone uh have you d- been doing any of the uh enigma missions no i haven't done any of those yet oh you should do those they're really fun and the last one is really cool but yeah i'm having a total blast with it i think that uh, I, i'm not sure exactly how it plays on switch i've only played it on uh, my ps4 but... uh i figure i'd talk about that so it's so the problem with the switch version right is that this game is a really good looking game. Like it's a fucking great looking game. And if you're going to play it on switch in handheld mode, it gets kind of blurry. Like it goes all the way down to 360p at times. Mm. It runs really well and the game is there, but I think the ideal way to play this is to play it once on PS4, Xbox or PC, and then pick the other character, Fergus or Wyatt on a switch playthrough but then the problem comes up that the switch version is 60 dollars for an inferior version of the game when every other console it's only 20 bucks and i get that bethesda had to pay panic button to port the game but still like it's made for a second playthrough really because it looks pretty bad compared to the console other consoles Mm -hmm. but it's costs three times as much as the other consoles at this point so hopefully the switch in the future with bethesda's games and everyone else's can have we can start getting these games on the same day where like the proposition of paying for an inferior version isn't totally fucked by the fact that it's coming out eight months later right and costs so much more and you know if it came out at the same time you could kind of see the trade-off of if you really value portability more so than being able you know if you have the time to sit down in your living room and play it on a 50 inch tv on a ps4 with a sound system and everything obviously you can do that but if you don't have time to do that and you want to play it while you commute or something like that and you you know you value that portability more so i think that would be an easier pill to swallow if you got the game at the same time as everybody else yeah totally so uh i think it's a great game though i think it's totally worth playing for like anyone out there you can you can definitely play it without playing wolfenstein or the old blood it is pretty standalone, and it gives you a recap of the first game right at the beginning. But obviously, I'm going to recommend playing the the New Order and the Old Blood. Yeah, I think, like you said, they give you a recap, so you, you're caught up on the story. But I think the you don't really care about any of the characters in the game unless you played the first one. And it's such a right. character-driven story that you'd be doing yourself a disservice to not play the old one because it would give you, you know, it's less of a like full picture that way. If you just pick it up at two, I agree. That's a great point. So, uh, anything else you want to say about the game? Uh, I just really like it. And I think that anybody, like I said, I've only played on PS4, but I think it's runs looks great on that. And it's totally hundred percent worth a playthrough. Yeah. I played it on PC and it's a great port runs. Awesome. Full 60 frames. I played it in 1440 P it looked great. Some really cool shit in that game. The, uh, I really liked it. So, I think that's a call the end of the episode. Episode 35. That was a big episode for us. Uh, if you liked it, you can let us know on Twitter. I'm at Jimmy Champagne and George is at George Rizard. 
Uh, you can find us on Spotify now, which I should have said at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I feel like an idiot now, but yeah, uh, that's exciting. We're on Spotify. That makes me really happy. Yeah, it's a cool feeling for sure. Yeah. So uh, you got anything to say before we close out the show, George? Um, I think we've said all we need to say. I think I'm ready to close it out. You got any last words? No. All right. Well, then, as always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening. <laughs>